Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. When you make your personal plans, where do you get your counsel? The source of our counsel will determine our success in life. And if a person chooses to take their counsel from the Bible, they will have success in life with God. In today's message, Pastor Edward Anderson continues his series with a message titled Meditation to Success, Part 2. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. So last week I uh, started a message called Meditate to Success. I didn't bring my, uh, my other wife with me, my, my sticks. I left her at home, but I brought my favorite wife with me. And uh, I was talking to Joe a minute ago. He said he went out and tried to hit them sticks. And I'll tell you what, if you don't do it for a while, you're going to be rusty. And Joe said he has some rust on them clubs. I understand, Joe. And it, it's a matter of doing things repetitiously over and over and over and over again. And then once you do, you have some confidence and trust. Because right now, I would not dare to go out and play golf right now because I haven't practiced. But when I get my practice in, I would definitely go out there and hit them sticks and have a great time. If you have your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, your Android device, turn to Psalms uh, chapter 1 and also Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to do a quick review and we're going to dive into God's Word. And I want you guys to have the word hid away in your heart. Amen? Amen. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth begins to speak. But don't have your own feelings come out of your heart. Have God's word coming out of your heart. Because that word is able to transform and change. The Bible declares, it says that it's powerful, it's sharp and quick. It can penetrate. And it can paralyze if you have God's words coming out of your mouth. Amen? So if you're in Psalms chapter 1, We're going to begin reading from verse 1, and it simply says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He's not just reading surfaces. He has delight in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he doth meditate how often? Day and night. Operative verse right here. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he doeth or she doeth, it shall do what? Prosper. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what? Good success. Good success. Not bad success, but good success. The key to walking in victory is having God's word on your lips. But the only way you can get on your lips is by reading God's word, not just reading it as surface or story, but meditating God's word and making that word part of who you are. Let it be the living reality of who you are. In Psalms chapter 119, go there. I'm going to turn to a lot of scripture today. I want you to have your pages turning, your iPhone turning to different. I want you to read it and put your eyes on it. Psalms 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how love I the law. It is my meditation. How often? All day. All day. So we asked the question last week. 
who should meditate on God's word. And you guys told me who should meditate. Who should meditate on God's word? Y'all, y'all, y'all sleep out there. Wake up. Wake up now. Wake up. Wake up. Who should meditate on God's word? Us. Weans, right? Believers. Christians should meditate on God's word. And where should we meditate on God's word at? Everywhere. In our home. As we're at work. In our neighborhood. We're walking, right? We should meditate everywhere. Key, why should the believer meditate? Why? To make us prosper to have what? Good success. That is God's perfect will for us is to have good success. No matter how much the enemy comes against you, it's God's perfect will for you to have good success. But I said God's will is not automatic. You got to fight some battles to have good success, and that battle is fought with God's word. Amen? God wants to get you into the word, and he wants the word to get into you. Amen? But it can't get into you until you get into the word. So every message I preach, I almost always talk about God's word, God's word, God's word. You know why? Because the Bible says that the word became flesh. So I'm talking about Jesus right now. I'm just talking about who Jesus is. So you got to let Jesus Christ have preeminence to govern every facet of your life. He ought to be on the throne of your heart. Amen? Not just Savior, because that's fire insurance from the pit. (laughs) But he should be Lord. A Lord is someone who rules, who reigns, who has complete dominion over things or a government or the heart of humanity. So the question is, have you given him lordship over your life? That means that whatever the word says, you're going to be obedient to what the word says and not your emotions. Because your emotions are a bad gauge on the reality of life. Sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. God's word is always stable. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but God's word, it's going to still be around. We're gone. It's stable. You can trust in God's word more than your emotions. See, in the process of being born again, your soul was not touched. Only your spirit was the new birth took place in. So your soul, which is our mind, our will and emotions, is all over the map sometimes. All over the map. But the word is designed to get your soul back in line to God's perfect will. So when God speaks, he bypasses your soul. Because sometimes your soul can't comprehend what God wants to do. For example, I went to Haiti in 2006. God said, I'm helping you. Re- you're going to help rebuild Haiti. My mind said, you got to be kidding me. I can't even build my house. I'm going to build Haiti. Beyond my comprehension, But in the spirit realm, God was speaking, telling me what I could do by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then about 10 years later, I began to build stuff in Haiti. But the first trip there, I was like, God has been drinking too much wine. (laughs) Because it didn't make sense up here. So God will never speak to your mind. He'll speak to your spirit. And hopefully, hopefully you've been in the word of God and your mind is being renewed or being transformed to receive or embrace what God is saying to your spirit. Psalms, back to chapter 1 again, it says in verse 3, 
And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Don't think about the trees in your backyard. A quick storm comes through, that tree is gone. 80 miles now, that tree is gone. Think about a palm tree. You ever seen them hurricanes that hit the Caribbeans? Boats are flying off, yachts are going everywhere, right? But that palm tree is just, just flapping in the wind. How is that possible? Because you, that tree is planted. God told us that we should be like that tree planted by the rivers of water. Adversity comes, the winds blow, but you're still there. <laughs> you're still there. You're still blowing with the wind. Amen. But then it goes on to say that he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree, a tree, a tree, a tree. Question for you. Where does a tree come from? A seed. You said a tree comes from a seed? Well, the Bible says in Luke 8, 11, says that the word of God is the seed. It says the word is a seed planted. Amen? Seeds need water to grow. So it says right here, and he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and bringing forth his fruit in his season. So seeds need water. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, what did it say? It said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave increase. So that seed, that seed that was planted, it needs some water. It needs water in order to grow. And that's what God's telling you. In order for you to grow from that child, from that babe, you got to get in God's word and let the word begin to water you. But then it goes on to say he shall bring forth fruit in his season. Seasons. How many seasons are there? Come on, you got a smart class. Okay, Carl, you're a college grad, four seasons. And some seasons are extended. Amen? We call Indian summers happen sometime. It's beyond the normal range. A season. When Jesus went to the wilderness, the Bible says that he was tempted by the devil. Amen? And then it said he left him for a season. But since there's four seasons, I guarantee he came back. So he may leave you for a season, but he's coming back. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Seasons. Seasons. What season are you in this year? Don't panic because it's a bad season. Apply the word to the season. And you'll see what the season is designed to do. Galatians chapter 6. Watch how God works. He said, you'd be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth your fruit in your season. Galatians chapter 6, verse 22. Watch this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, Faith, meekness, and temperance. So what he's saying is that if you're a tree 
and you're being watered by the word of God, you should bring forth fruit. And this is the fruit you should bring forth. No matter what you're going through, I don't care if you got an enemy at work. He said that if you're planted right and the water comes through, love should come forth because it's part of the fruit of the spirit. I don't care if you got all adversity coming against you. You still should have joy in this season. I don't care if you went to the doctor and got a bad report. According to God's word, he said that you'll bring forth fruit, and part of that fruit in this season is peace. You should have peace in the midst of all turmoil because why? You're like a tree, planted. And he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit here for us. You should have peace. That, that boss of mine get on my last good nerve. I only got one. He get on my last good nerve. But the fruit says you should be long-suffering because it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Boy, I tell you what, I always like to applaud my greeters. You know, I grew up in church. This is a sidebar. I grew up in church, and I know if I was going to church or prison. Because when you walked in, I got the meanest looking uh, at the door. I didn't want to go in there. But here we got the smiling Barbara and all my what's the, sister. Why? Gentleness. It makes you want to just come in and celebrate God. The fruit of the Spirit. Then it says there's goodness to come out of that fruit as well, too. And every believer needs to operate in faith. Without faith, is it impossible to please God? Impossible. And then this one right here, meekness. Not arrogance, not pride. But part of that fruit should be meekness. And the one that I need to work on all day long is temperance. Temperance. How is your temper? Do you have self-control? Not just with your temper, but how about your diet? Oh, I got you on that one, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got me on that one. I'm going to take a sidebar. My daughter, she kind of challenged me to change my diet. So I gave up meat. No problem. See, I can't do things partially. I got to just give it all up at one time. I can't just go halfway. So I gave up meat. Then I got bold. I said, you know what I'm going to do, babe? I'm going to give up sweets. Woo, boy. I was proud of me. Because, boy, I tell you what, there's a bakery down the street called Hummingbird. I will do a flyby in a minute to get me some cake. So I said, I'm going to give up sweets. And I did good. <laughs> but temperance, it wasn't completely under my control. Somebody at my job happened to bring some cupcakes to work. I think I said no about three times, but I looked at it. I said, I'm going to sample it, Sister Tammy, Pastor Tammy. Wrong move. I had that cupcake, and I have not stopped going back to that place. I, I, I kid you not. It's so bad when I called and said, hi, Edward. I messed up. 
off of one cupcake got me off track. What gets you off track? Does adversity get you off track? I seen Christian come adversity hit a Christian sometime, you don't see him no more. They get off track. Don't think because you don't come here that he ain't gonna attack you still. He's gonna get you out there. Isolated Christians out there by themselves. He's coming for you, saints. But he said, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth your fruit and your season. Your leaves shall not wither, and whatever you do shall have what? Good success. I always say you should know the season you're in because everybody's going to have a bad season. Everybody's going to have a bad season. A bad season could be simply the loss of a loved one. So now the holidays come up, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And keep in mind, Satan does not care about anything you go through. He wants to emotionally bring you to a wreck in life. So you have Christmas and Thanksgiving to come up. Guess what he'll do? He'll constantly remind you about that loved one gone. He'll bring it up about how all the good times you had together. But I tell people all the time, you need to remind Satan of some things as well, too. Remind him of his ultimate doom in life. Now, just because you're a Christian, don't think that you immune to his attacks. Go to John 10.10. 10. John 10.10. 10. Satan, a defeated foe, but yet he continually comes after God's people. He's relentless, isn't he? Are you there? What does it say? It says, a thief cometh. So we see, according to God's word, he's coming. And a lot of times he may come in a season where you feel a little downcast because of that level may be gone or something you went through. But he is coming. First Peter, go to First Peter, chapter 5. I told you I'm going to turn to a lot of Scripture. I want you to get your eyes on God's Word. The thief cometh, but to kill, steal, and destroy. But the part that I like is God had come as well, too, to give us life and life more abundantly. Amen? But you got to fight for that part of the Word of God. First Peter, chapter 5. Are you there? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says what? Be sober, sound mind, be vigilant, because you're who? Your adversary, the devil. Now, right there it says, who your adversary is, is not people. It's the devil. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That means he's not devouring everybody. But he's looking for that one who's isolated or hasn't been in God's word. He's trying to devour that one. Then in verse 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So what you're going through, somebody else in the kingdom is going through the same thing you're going through. So when we gather sometime, you may be able to show your testimony of what you're going through, and that person may be able to edify or encourage you how they got through, how you can get through as well too. 
But it says that he's like a roaring lion. And that stuck to me right there. Glad I look up roaring lion. You know, a, a lion, when it roars, you can hear a roar of a lion five miles away. Five miles away. He let you know I'm coming <laughs> before he get there. But then this really got me because I work around airplanes. So I'm really, I, I'm a teacher by nature. But when it says that the decibel level of a roar of a lion is 114 decibels, I understood exactly what that meant. 114 decibels is the level of a lion's roar. Let me give you a chart of how decibels work. Me talking to you right now is about 60 decibels. You can't go deaf, hopefully, me talking to you. I take this pen and drop it. That's about 10 decibels. You'll be okay with that as well, amen? Y'all like to watch television? Love it, huh? About 60 decibels. It depends. Wait a minute. I got some relatives who, who, who the TV be up so loud, they're like, woo! But normally, it's 60 decibels. Now, don't look at your wife. Don't look at your, don't look at your husband. Sometimes your husband and wife snore. It's about 90 decibels. Okay, I told you I'm a teacher by nature, right? So, these are what you call hearing protection. Now, brothers, if your wife snore, get some of these. <laughs> On any protection, there's this thing called RRR. I'm sorry, NRR. It means noise reduction rating. So if your wife or husband at 90, you put these in, we bring him or her down to 57. Amen? You survive on 57. Amen, Tracy? Amen. Me too, brother. Me too. Noise reduction levels. Then I found out that between 185 and 200 decibels, you can die. Eardrums can just burst, and that's it. You can die. But then I found out, because I taught this, Carl, that death, hearing loss doesn't come instantaneous a lot of times. It's gradual. It's gradual for the most part. Inside everyone's ears called a cochlea. They're hair follicles. So the more sound that comes through your ear, the louder it is, those follicles just fall off. They just drop. They fall down. Never to be repaired again. So now, guess what? You're gradually losing your hearing. So when Satan comes as a roaring lion, guess what he's trying to do? He's gradually trying to get you to stop hearing God's word. It's gradual. It's a, uh, I'll miss this Sunday, gradual. It's a, uh, I'll need Bible study Wednesday, Sunday. That's that kind of gradual stuff. The follicles just gradually fall off, gradually fall off, and now you're not hearing the word. Or if the fruit's not manifesting, you bitter, you can be here, but you don't hear the word because your hair follicles are falling off because you've listened to the roar of the line too long. 
like that line in the Wizard of Oz. You know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> that coward one. He's just roaring. Can't do a lot, but he roars very loud. To get you off course, it may look like that everything he's saying to you is coming to pass, but it's really a lie. But it sounds so true, amen? Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. The roar of the lion is not real, saints. Don't let him deceive you by his roar. This is very, the scripture right here is so essential. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. What does it say? It says, so then faith cometh by hearing. Pause right there. You can't grow in your faith if you can't hear God's word. So Satan is trying to cut off you hearing God's word so you can't grow spiritually. Now, how do I meditate God's word? Now, it's kind of strange. I'll open the Bible personally, and I'll read line from line to myself. Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing. If I hear myself reading the word, my faith is being built up in me. I don't read the whole book and I find one scripture. My God shall supply all my needs. My God shall supply all my, my God shall supply all my needs. My God shall supply all my needs. My God shall supply all my needs. And I do that over and over and over and over again. I'm trying to get the word from here. And I'm trying to get it from here to here. But while it goes there, I got to do something in here. Because there's a battleground. And that's why I said over and over and over and over. I said over and over and over. Because I got to get it to eradicate my thoughts in here. And I got to get it planted down in here. Because the Bible says what? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth should begin to speak. If it's not here, what are you saying? I'll tell you what you're saying. I'm, you're saying this. If you haven't been by that tree planted by the water, bringing forth fruit, you're telling your wife off. Because why? The word is not in your heart, but the old nature is coming out of your heart. God is doing spiritual surgery when you read his word. Hebrews says very carefully that the word is sharp and quick. It penetrates. The moment I speak the word, it penetrates. And matter of fact, there's no parameters on God's word. It goes through time and space. <laughs> there are no limitations on God's word. The moment you speak it, it's gone. How did God create the earth? He said he spoke it into existence. Didn't he? Then he told us death and life is the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall do what? Eat the fruit thereof. it. So you have great and tremendous power by your words, saints. But are you utilizing God's word to line up with his perfect will for your life? Perfect will. Not permissive will, but his perfect will. 
Go to 2 Peter 3.9. God's perfect will. His perfect will is that what? He says that I come to give you life, life more abundantly. Amen. He said, I pray or worship of all things you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. That is God's perfect will. Now, the question would be, are we operating in God's perfect will? Are we operating in God's perfect will? Well, if you're not, then there's a battle taking place, and we're walking not in the victory that he's given us, but in the defeat that Satan is bringing our way. God's perfect will for humanity is what? That no one dies short of salvation. You aren't the perfect man called, he just died for you. He said he died for the whole world. Amen? So God's perfect will is that no man perish. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackless, but is long-suffering to us work, not willing that any should perish, but that who? That all should come to what? Repentance. I had to explain to my coworker about the love of God because they don't understand it. They said, well, God hates sinners. And I got to pause because I want to say something right away. My mind just be quick with things sometimes. But I got to really listen, slow to speak. And God walked me to Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel chapter 33. God's perfect will. See, sometimes man will do something. And you think that was God who did it. Sometimes man will do something so outlandish, you think that was God who did it. You there? Ezekiel 33. It's not God. Death, <laughs> it wasn't even God's plan. God made us eternal beings to live forever. What we call death is a separation. Because once absent this body, I'm right with the Lord. Ezekiel 33, verse 11. You there? Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Wait a minute, back up. He has no pleasure at all in the death even of the wicked. God does not delight in death, saints. But that the wicked turn from his way and live, that's God's will. Not death. God's a God of life. But the way we as believers have been taught, we always say, God don't get you. God want to get you, but he won't get you in his kind of way. With love and compassion and mercy. That's the God that we serve. Okay, so let's look at this word meditate. Meditate. It means to mutter over and over and over again. Meditate. If I ask you a question right now, how do you lead someone to salvation? Do you know how to do that? Oh, you guys are muttering out there, but I don't hear it. I hear tongues. Should I interpret it? <laughs> how do you lead somebody to Christ? Is there a, a scripture we go to? Where is it at? Romans. Okay, Romans what? T let's go there. Romans 10, 9 and 10, 10. Let's go there. 
Romans. Let's go there. Let's talk about it. So I said there's a process in getting God's word in your heart because you want that word to come out. And this is the example of how the word works to bring a manifestation, what you need in your life. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. What does it say? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth. Uh Uh-oh. Back to that talking again, huh? If you confess with your mouth. Your words have a lot to do with everything you do in life. Oh, I got a headache. Oh, I got a headache. Oh, oh, God. Oh, Jesus, I got a headache. Oh, man, my arthritis messing up. There you go, bragging my author again. Your, your words have a lot to say about it. When I go to the doctor, I get a report. I take the report down because everything they're saying are facts. They're not telling you, no, they're facts. It's based upon all the tests they're running for you, right? Blood tests, whatever it may be. Those are facts. But the Bible says that the truth begins to live and set free. So what I do personally, I take those facts that I have from the doctor and lay out God's truth over the facts. And then all of a sudden, those, the truth begins to dissipate because the facts have been overlaid over the, tr- the truth. But you have to get the, f- the truth. God's word is truth, saints. And you got to do what? Just like salvation? you got to begin to confess that word, confess the word. But you got to confess the word, but you got to get the word in your heart. Once in your heart and begin to confess it, guess what? Things begin to happen. Just like in salvation. It says that you're confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe where? In your heart. How could you get the word in your heart when you never even knew about God? Uh Uh-oh, that's a tough question. That's the advanced calculus question right there. Because of God's love. Because of the love of God. He says that I've given everybody a measure of faith to believe, even if you heard a little bit about God's word. And that little bit about you heard about, it gets in your heart. And then all of a sudden now you confess it, and at that point you're saved. And that's the way it works when you meditate upon God's word as well too. You begin to say God's word. You begin to say God's word over and over and over again. Amen? Now, I'm going to get almost cut, shut down right here. There's three components of meditation. I'm going to say it real, doing real quickly. Three components of meditation. The first one we talked about right there was verbalization or speaking God's word. You're speaking God's word. You're speaking to yourself about what God has said about the issue. Amen? Now, on January 23rd, 2018, God gave me a word. How do I know it was that date? Because I have a journal. Been having a journal ever since I was a, little, a, a young kid. I write down what God says because when adversity comes, you're going to forget what God said. So I wrote it down. And this is what God told me. I'm going to give you wisdom that will astound people. This is your season to receive, my season to receive. This is not for you. This is my personal word. Amen. I'm going to restore Things that are trying to overtake you, you will see no more. Okay, that's my personal word God gave me, right? Now, I got the word, now I need a backup unit. I got to go to the word now and back it up because when Satan comes against me, I got to have that word in me, amen? So what he did, he said, go to Proverbs 9. I'm going to walk you through this, Proverbs 9. So I know God talks to you like he's speaking to me, and he gives you a personal word. But what are you doing with that word? 
then it falls to the depth to the ground, or are you taking the word and believing God for that word? Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. So I said, okay, God, you told me that I have wisdom that will astound people. So I got to begin to fear you more, fear you more, and then I'll get wisdom. So I was saying over and over again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I need to reverence you, Lord, and I'll have wisdom. Then he took me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Watch this. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when, he, when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were what? Astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things, and what wisdom is that which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? So God took me to that and said, Okay, well, you're going to have the wisdom of Christ. And you're going to do the same thing as Christ. And I know what you're saying. Who do he think he is to say that kind of thing right there? Well, I say that because the word says in John 14, 12, the works that I do, greater works shall you do. So all I did was balance out what God said with God's word. He gave me a personal word, and I added to his word so it can keep me edified. Then he said, I'm going to restore going to restore. Okay, I lost a lot this, a couple of years ago. I lost a lot, Lord. Lord, you said you're going to restore to me. Well, then I went to Joel. And in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, said, I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten away. Uh-oh, I'm right in line with God's word. So now I'm edifying and encouraging myself by what? By the word of God. And then he said that these things are trying to overtake you, you will see no more. You know where I went then? I went to Exodus. <laughs> yeah, he told Moses, you won't see them anymore. So I had scripture to validate what God had told me, and I stood on that word. And I stood on that word. I stood on that, I'm still standing on that word. I stand on that word right now because all of it has come to pass, but I'll tell you what, he did restore. He did restore. So again, you have to verbalize. You have to do it over and over and over and over again. Speaking is the key ingredient to getting what you need in this life. You say, well, let me give you a validation scripture. Go to uh, Mark chapter 11. Speaking. Speaking. Not just to people. You can speak to things that make them obey as well too. Mark chapter 11. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Say unto this mountain, say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast to the sea. You got to do what? You can say to your mountain. What is your mountain? Is it a mountain of debt? Is your mountain a health crisis? What is your mountain? You need to speak to your mountain. You say, I don't believe that. Okay, let me give you a validation scripture again. Go to Numbers. Number. <laughs> I told you today, you're going to be turning pages today. <laughs> Today is a day to turn and write. Amen? Because I want you to go home with something that you can meditate on, you can ponder on. He said you can speak to a mountain, Carl. You can speak to a mountain. Numbers chapter 20. So the first component we're talking about is what? Verbalization or speaking. 
speaking. Are you there? Numbers chapter 20. Then it came, the children of Israel, even the whole congregation into the desert of Zim in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses. And against, and I felt so bad for Moses. Oh, Lord Jesus. He had three million people coming against him. And the people charged with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when we were brethren died before the Lord? And why hath he brought us, the congregation of the Lord, into the wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed or figs or vines or pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. Boy, they are complaining people, aren't they? And they were in slavery, (laughs) y'all. And they came out of slavery, and they complained anymore. What kind of people? Oh, my. Moses was like, okay, Lord, I'm I'm glad I'm done. (laughs) Moses was happy to give that battle up. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron, thy brother, and watch this. Now, sometimes God will do something, and you think he's going to do it the same way. This incident happened before when they ran out of water. And God said, Moses, take your rod and smite the rock. And water came out of the rock. This time, he doesn't say that. He says, take the rock, but he says, speak to the rock. Speak to, wait a minute. You can speak to an inanimate object? According to God, you can. Speak to the rock. Now, of course, Moses didn't follow instruction because he was afraid. He didn't do it. He smoked the rock again. Water came up because God can't lie. It was water in the rock. But the way God told him to do it, he said, speak to the rock. What's your rock? Is your rock cancer? Speak to the rock. What is your rock? I don't care what your rock is. If you speak to it long enough, it got to obey God's word. It has to obey God's word. So again, first component of meditation is verbalization and speaking. The second one simply is repetition. Doing things over and over again. Joe, when you, when you stand in that stance, you like this, right? You pull it back slow. You keep your head, you keep your head down, right? Most golfers, <laughs> this is funny to me, they pull a club back and they swing and the ball's still there. They're looking out there. You got to keep your eye on the ball. You got to keep your eye on the ball. You got to keep your eye on what God has said to you. Whatever God said to you, it'll come to pass if you keep your eye on it. Keep your eye on the promises of God. I don't care what it looks like. Keep your eyes on whatever God has said and then begin to rehearse them over and over again. Keep swinging at it until you perfect it, until you get a rhythm down. Repetition over and over and over again. The third component is visualization. The ability to see the results of what you are speaking about. 
Can you see what God has said to you? Go to Genesis chapter 13. And this is my first closing. Genesis chapter 13. You have to begin to see what God has said, saints. Are you there? Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after Lot was separated. Sometimes God won't speak to you until you get rid of that person next to you. Because that person could be a hindrance to you, you don't even know it. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee, I will give it, and to thy seed forever. So God had to give Abram a picture of what he was doing. And when he got that picture, guess what? His faith began to believe what God began to say. Amen? I have an example of a young lady. Her name was uh, Dodie Osteen. You guys probably heard of Joel Osteen. Well, Dodie Osteen is Joel's mother. Dodie Osteen was diagnosed with stage four systemic liver cancer. That means you one step from heaven. Amen? But Dodie knew the word of God. And I printed out what Dodie did. Dodie had one, two, three. This is every day she did, four. Seven pages of God's word she quoted every day. Every day. She didn't miss it. And then I heard that she would take a picture of her former years before the cancer hit. And she put it in front of herself. Know why she did that? She saw herself healed. She would quote God's word and then she would see exactly what she wanted to look like. She spoke God's word. Amen. And she did it over and over and over and over again. And she began to visualize herself now healed. And guess what? That was 50 years ago. The word works, saints. The key is that, can you work the word? Can you get in God's word and look at a promise and begin to operate in that promise and don't vacillate, don't wait, don't give up on it? You know the problem with us is this thing called time. Because time has passed. You think that God forgot about what he said. Is God a man that he can lie? Or a son of man he needs to repent? Has he said he will make it good? Let me tell you. 13 years old, God said, you're going to be a pastor. Not today, Lord. So I thought. See, God has a way of maneuvering things. Okay, this door's open. Oh, that closed. Because God... And he didn't force my hand. He gently just wooed me into what he wanted me to do. Wherever you think you're in life, don't put time parameters on God. You got to keep in mind, God is outside of time. <laughs> he got to come in here just to deal with us a little bit. But God is not in time. 
Don't put limitations on God. It says in Psalms that the children of Israel, they limited the Holy One of Israel. They didn't get all what God wanted them to do because they put limits on who, what God's able to do. Are you putting parameters on what God is able to do? Is your mind limited by your flesh? Or have you gotten to God's word and see how awesome God really is? Have you seen who God really is? Have you seen him in, in creation carving out mountains with a finger? Or your circumstances overriding who God really is? Let God's word be true and everything that you're going through be a lie. Stand on God's word until you see manifestation. Don't give up. Don't count God short of what he's able to do, no matter what it looks like. Fifteen years ago, my mom had a massive stroke. And you know what the doctor told me? And they were not lying. I told you, doctors, they, they tell you the facts. They said, there's nothing we can do. She's going to die. Tell us my dad about that, mama. Something wrong. And this is the key. Remember, our soul is not born again. So I have my sister there, my aunts, and we all crying. We get emotional because that's natural. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. He said, Edward, walk around the hospital. So I left them there in the room. I walked out the hospital because I can't hear God and all the crying. It's too noisy in there to me to hear God's voice in there. When I walked out of the hospital and walked around the corner, I began to hear the Holy Spirit. You know what he told me? Now go back and declare my word. So now I'm, all, I'm ready now. They still in there crying, but I'm going to now bold now, and I'm declaring God's word on my mama. Now, the x-rays they showed us, massive blood in the brain. She shouldn't make it, but I spoke God's word. My mother's still here today because of what God's word is able to do. But you got to stick to the script. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you're going through in life. If you stay on God's word long enough, you'll see manifestation. Talk to your body. Tell your body, you got to obey what God's word says. By his, I'm healed by his stripes. Talk to your money. <laughs> you short? No, 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 no. He wants you to prosper. Speak to it. Put, quit putting parameters on what God is able to do, saints. It's time for a breakout year. New year, new me. Get all that God has promised you to get. But you got to meditate day and night on God's word. So the word can get in your heart. And from your heart, it comes out of your mouth. And from the mouth, you'll see manifestation. Amen? You believe that? Amen. 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 God, we thank you for the word. Amen? God's word is true, saints. I don't care um, what Satan is doing behind the scenes. He makes his big old smoke screen to get us off track. He does. He tries to get us to see things. But again, what you see with the physical eye is not always true because there's a hand behind the scenes operating, doing things 
for us. Because God works everything that you're going through, everything, everything you're going through is working together for your good. Everything. Gracefully broken. You know why God wants to break us? It's not that he's trying to destroy you. It's some stuff in us that needs to get out. Accept the process. Whatever God is doing in your life that seems so painful to you right now, accept that process. Because when God gets through, you're going to have the character of Christ is what he's trying to do. He's trying to make you look like Christ in the earth realm to those who don't know who Christ is to reflect God's glory in the earth, saints. So, Father, I thank and praise you right now for your word. Your word is able to transform and change people, lives, communities. God, your word is able, God, to edify, is able to encourage us, God. When there's times where we feel like we can't go on, your word is there. So I pray, God, that your people may continue to just endeavor to get into your word and let your word get into them and they'll see a divine transformation and change in their lives right now. I pray their minds that will not be oppressed by the enemy, oppression. I, I thank you that Christ has come to set us free from that oppressive spirit, Father God, that our minds can be free and think the way Christ thinks, God. So I thank you now for victory where the enemy is trying to bring in defeat. I declare and decree your word over every person's life here today. And they may, Father God, be all that you've ordained them to be. We thank you. We honor and praise you for it now. I declare it done in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Edward Anderson with a very powerful message titled Meditation to Success, Part 2. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at alwc.us. On our site, you'll find more information about us, our church and events calendars, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is alwc.us. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash abundantlifeworship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.